Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining me here on Matt's Middle-Aged Mixed Martial Arts Show number 14, the MMA MMA show. Whew, a lot of uh, MMA news to cover this week. Uh, quite a few USADA stories, uh, some issues with taxis we need to discuss, uh, restraining orders, uh, hit and runs, drug test failures, uh, and some fights. So your, your typical week in the world of the UFC and MMA. Uh, again, I appreciate you tuning in here to this little podcast. Uh, this past weekend, we had UFC Fight Night Overeem vs. Olenek. This was the UFC's second ever visit to Russia and their first show in St. Petersburg, um, which is pretty far up there. I think it's near like Finland, 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 Finlandia. That's a vodka. Um, anyway, it's pretty far north. It's cold in Russia, if you were unaware of that. Uh, this show was on April 20th. It was on in the States early. It was like one of those afternoon shows. Some of those European shows, the, the time difference is weird here on the East Coast. The show started like early in the morning, like 8 or 9 in the morning, which which can be a good thing because then you don't have to stay up till 1 a.m. to watch these shows. So I actually prefer the morning shows, especially when I'm home and around to watch them. Uh, this one I was not, but I, I did see, uh, much of the show after, afterwards, uh, in the main event, Alistar Overeem defeated Alexi Olenek by TKO, knees and punches on the ground at 445 of the first round. Um, interesting fight here. Olenek is the guy who, um, is known for the Ezekiel choke, which is a pretty unusual choke in the world of MMA. Um, literally, it, it almost never happens. But Olenek has got like six or seven wins by Ezekiel choke. It's just a one of those weird things. He's got a really strong grip and is like a master of that move. Um, he immediately pulled guard against Overeem here and immediately went for the Ezekiel choke, um, which you don't see too often. Guys just pull guard immediately in a fight. Um, Overeem was eventually able to get back up. And then on the feet, Olenek was the way more active fighter. Uh, Overeem threw some shots here or there, but I think at one point, like the striking difference was like 46 to five. Olenek was just... Drilling Overeem in the body, hit a couple good shots. Um, I want to say he, he stunned Overeem, but he had Overeem on his back foot backing up. And Overeem kind of just weathered the storm, hung in there, um, got the clinch, landed some knees, Olenek went down, then Overeem just finished it on the ground with punches. Um, after the fight, Overeem said he was open to fight Alexander Volkov, who he was supposed to fight in Russia. Originally, Volkov pulled out with an injury. Um, he says he pulled out of the bout due to health issues. Um, 
I don't have much more detail than that, but so we might get Volkov versus uh, Overeem down the road sometime. That's who Overeem called out. Um, Overeem now stands in MMA at 45 and 17. That's a lot of fights. What is that? 62 fights he's had in his career. Um, that's a lot for any MMA fighter, let alone a heavyweight. Um, two straight wins, Sergei Pavlovic and Alexei Olenek for uh, Reem here. And, um, you know, he's the type of guy who's a, just in, in a thin heavyweight division who's a couple fights away from a title shot, always. Um, he's 38 now, but again, in the heavyweight division, 38's not that old, but Overeem is still very chinny, meaning he can't, I don't really think he can take a shot still. He's got a, quite a few knockout losses to his record. Um, 13 knockout losses. It's a lot of times to have the lights shut off. Curtis Blades, Francis Ngannou, Stipe Miocic, Ben Rothwell, Travis Brown, Bigfoot Silva, Sergey Heritonov, uh, pre-UFC. Um, Shogun knocked him out. Um, Ricardo Arona, uh, Antonio Rogerio Noguera, um, Shogun again. A lot of knockout losses. He got knocked out by Chuck Liddell in 2003. Think about that. 16 years ago, Chuck Liddell knocked out over him. It's a lot of knockout losses. Um, kickboxing he got knocked out a couple times too so um the thing with Overeem is that that division is thin he's got a look he's got a name it's one of those things like a top contender gets injured and he's coming off a win he'll probably move in there for a title shot because the heavyweight division is so thin and he's got sort of an aura about him but when you look at his record and you see those Half dozen knockout losses, 13 knockout losses, whatever it is. I guess that's a baker's dozen, not a half dozen. Um, it's a little scary. In uh, one of the weaker co-mains, uh, as far as name value goes, you'll ever see, Islam Makachev defeated Arman Sarukian. Uh, unanimous decision, 30-27, 30-27, and 29-28. Sarukian made a, his debut in the UFC here, and he looked pretty good. This was a competitive um, higher level fight than um, you would think from the names. Um, nobody knows Makachev. He's one of those guys who's, um, you know, Dagestani, has great wrestling, fighting at lightweight. A lot of guys don't want to fight him. He's 17 and 1 now, uh, and 5 and 1 in the UFC. He has one knockout loss to Adriano Martins. Um, but he's got wins over Chris Wade, Nick Lentz, Glayson Tebow, Cajun Johnson, now Sarukian. So you'd like to see him get a top 15, top 10-ish guy next to see where he's at. But um, he's pretty solid everywhere. I mean, it's not like Khabib-level wrestling or anything like that, but um, he, he he looks good. He, he deserves better fights and uh, looks ready for him. And this guy Sarukian, who made his debut, looked pretty good, too. He was competitive against Makachev. Um, so two guys to look out for uh, moving forward, Makachev and Sarukian. 
at heavyweight, we had Sergei Pavlovic defeating Marcelo Gome by knockout. Uh, Foxy Roxy Modafferi defeated Antonina Shevchenko, Valentina's sister, by split decision. Uh, this was an upset. I thought Modafferi was going to get lit up. And um, she pulled this one out, um, mostly with, like, wrestling and takedowns and grappling. Um, she's an interesting fighter because she's not elite level by any stretch. but She's got such a unique personality, um, like the comic book stuff and the, um, what are those Japanese cartoons called? I can't think of the name of them. We'll Google it. I'm sitting right in front of a computer. It's 2019. You know what I mean? Japanese cartoons. <sighs> Not Pokemon. Um, anime. Thank you. Thank you, Google. You're the man. Just needed a little sip of coffee there. I'm old and tired. Um, yeah, she's in the anime, I think. I might just be making that up completely. But other way, she, she's kind of got this nerdy way about her. And, like, it's totally genuine. Kind of like Sage Northcott is kind of dorky. And in the MMA world, both of their personalities are very unique. Like, she calls herself the happy warrior. Maybe something like that. Let's look up Foxy Roxy's nickname. Happy Warrior. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. She's 36. She's been in MMA forever. Um, and just every time she wins, I'm like, oh, that's great. Good for her. She's now number seven in the UFC's flyweight rankings. Um, and she just is not your typical MMA fighter by any stretch. And I, I, I like that uniqueness. Um the opener of the main card on ESPN Plus had Christoph Jotko defeating Alan Amadovsky. Um, a lot of fighters on the prelims you never heard of. Fight of the night went to Makachev and Sarukian. Performance of the night went to Sergei Pavlovic and Magomed Mustafev, who uh, won the opener of the prelim card by TKO, spinning back, kick, and punches. Um... Other than that, kind of an uneventful show in St. Petersburg. Um, again, it's weird promoting on the UFC's part. I, I'm guessing a lot of it has to do with their other shows and where their needs are um, with pay-per-view and bigger ESPN cards. But these two shows I've done in Russia have been really... Um, not under the radar, but not promoted super well. And you would have thought, like, after all these years trying to get in Russia, they finally did it. They had to work with M1 or whatever to get over there. Um, that these aren't a bigger, bigger deal. I mean, MMA is a pretty big sport. You know, with the history of Fedor and now Khabib being a big star over there, they could probably fill bigger arenas and put on deeper cards over there and make some money. But... For whatever reason, um, they haven't done that yet. And I, I'm a little bit puzzled by it, to be honest. But um, there's probably more to the story than I know. Uh, in sadder news, um, 
former UFC fighter Rodrigo de Lima was killed in a hit-and-run incident following a dispute with an Uber driver in Belém, Brazil. Um, UFC welterweight Michelle Prezeros, a longtime friend and teammate of de Lima, told MMA Fighting on Monday morning that the 26-year-old fighter was inside a car with a few friends when he started arguing with the driver. The driver allegedly stopped the car and they got in an altercation before the man drove away, came back, and allegedly hit DeLima from behind with his car. Um, DeLima was married and had two kids. Um, that Uber driver should get a uh, zero star. Oh, can you give zero stars on Uber? I've never used it. Um, I usually just drive my own car places. But that guy should not get a good rating you can't run over one of your occupants from behind uh that's not gonna do you well uber has uh apparently gone out on a limb and fired the driver um but it looks like the police are still currently searching for this guy they have not found him um maybe there's an update let's look Rodrigo de Lima. Guy was only twenty six. I mean, it's a it's. I I joke around because uh, I'm warped, but it's a sad story. You never want to hear about somebody twenty six getting killed. Um, especially with kids and a wife and a family and stuff like their, their lives are ruined by this, you know, some nut job Uber driver. Uh, let's see. Yeah. The, the story's got a little more detail. It's, it's more recent article. Um, Delima's friends who were on the scene at the time explained how Delima had been arguing with the driver when the driver asked Delima to get out. The man sped off, but allegedly came back and hit DeLima with his car, which is what killed him. Uh, the alleged attacker, Jefferson Roger Masile, has now been fired by Hoover. Uh, the rideshare company issued a statement today saying that they are appalled by what happened and have taken all necessary measures to make sure the man can't use their app ever again. Uber also confirmed that Masile was working for Uber at the time of the incident. Um... God, there's pictures with Delima and his, like, baby daughter. Um, so he wanted Delima out of the car. Delima got out of the car. He left. So it, it was over. You left. The guy got out of the car. Then you come back and run him over? What the hell are you thinking? Um, crazy. Crazy story. Uh, but I also like the fact that Uber has to put out a statement saying they fired him. Well, like, I would hope so. Like, what do you have to do to get fired from Uber? I don't know. Kill your passengers with the car when they're not looking? That, that'll do it. Jeez. Uber taking a strong stance here. Uh, in other, uh, motor vehicle related news, uh, UFC fighter Darren Till was one of five British citizens arrested in Tenerife, Spain on Thursday for causing damage to a hotel and, quote, unquote, 
accidentally stealing a taxi. Sources told the publication that the group that the group broke furniture and emptied fire extinguishers at a lodging complex they were staying in. After being removed from Costa Adeje premises, the group traveled to another hotel in nearby El Duque, but were refused rooms. Imagine that, Darren Till. It's like 6'1", MMA fighter, wasted, stumbling into your hotel lobby with a, with a bunch of other dudes from, from England ranting and raving, doing hooliganism, trying to book a couple rooms in your hotel. Like, I don't know what you do in that situation. Obviously, you don't want him in there, but how do you tell that guy no? Like, if you're working the front desk in your little suit, you know, you're like me, 5'10", out of shape, old. Do you give Darren till the room, or do you risk getting your ass kicked? here's the thing even if you give him the room like if he damages it you know you just charge him for it you got his credit card or whatever you can get the money back for it you could call the cops if you if they're way out of hand but if you turn him away tell him to get the hell out you risk getting your ass kicked by a drunk darren till i'd be on the fence man I would have a real struggle, an inner struggle here on what to do with Darren Till in the hotel lobby. Um, I guess the people in El Duque uh, had the guts to tell him no. Um, So I guess the hotel uh, called a taxi for them to get them out of there. Uh, when the taxi arrived, the driver loaded the back of the car with luggage. Till and another person allegedly got into the car and drove to La Caleta, where the vehicle, a Volkswagen Caddy, was intercepted by a patrol of the National Police. The Daily Mail's report notes that the arrest happened early Thursday morning. Shocker. Um, these things always seem to happy, happen early in the morning. It's never like, oh, 8 o'clock at night. No, they, they've been drinking all night and couldn't get a hotel and decided to steal a taxi. Um, which sounds like a bad choice to begin with. But when you clearly seem intoxicated, it makes it even a worse idea. Um, anyway, uh, the arrest happened early Thursday morning and that the other four British citizens that were arrested have not been named. Uh, MMA fighting has attempted to contact the Spanish police and Till's management to confirm the report, but has yet to receive a response. So that is your latest on uh, Darren Till. Like you got to be pretty messed up to get kicked out of a hotel, have them call you a taxi, Taxi driver's there. He's like literally loading the bags in the trunk of the cab. And while he's doing that, you sneak in to the driver's side and take off in the car. So many bad decisions being made there. Like, I get people do dumb things when they're drunk. But don't steal 
motor vehicles, especially a taxi that's going to be clearly visible uh, to your local authorities and be wasted while you're doing it. Like so many poor choices. Um, some other people who apparently did not make poor choices. Well, maybe they did. Depends how you feel about USADA and PEDs and drug testing, I suppose. Former UFC women's flyweight champion Nico Montano, Sean O'Malley, Marvin Vittori, and Augusto Mendez all failed random out-of-competition drug tests for Osterine. After investigating each case, USADA determined the four fighters did not knowingly ingest the banned substance. Rather, USADA concluded the positive tests were caused by contaminated supplements that contained Osterine. As a result, all four fighters were given six-month suspensions, some of which have already expired. Um, according to USADA, Osterine, also known as MK2866 and Enembosarm, is a selective androgen receptor modulator that is illegally sold worldwide as a performance-enhancing substance. Osterine is not currently available as a prescription medication in any country, and its unauthorized use may carry serious side effects. It's commonly found in dietary supplements and unlisted in the ingredients, USADA said in a news release. So these four fighters, Montano, O'Malley, Vittori, and Mendez, all accidentally ingested Osterine through tainted supplements. So the idea is you can go, you know, I don't know where people go, vitamin shops or GNC or whatever, places you go to get like protein powder and creatine and that sort of stuff. And a lot of these products are laced with essentially illegal illegal drugs, prohibited um, substances in sports or whatever. Um, and it's kind of like this unregulated business. Like, I guess the FDA doesn't have to check this stuff uh, or test it. So a lot of times these manufacturers will put, um, you know, illegal stuff, Osterine, in it. Um, and then people are like, wow, this stuff works great. I'm huge. I'm ripped, whatever. Um, never an issue for me. I'm just naturally jacked, but word spreads that this stuff is, is unbelievable. I, I'm making gains, gaining muscle. Uh, look at my traps. I don't know what weight lifters and bodybuilders say. It's not my scene, but check out my pectorals. My glutes. Look, look at this tricep I got over here. Uh, things like that. That's what they say. Well, that's what I imagine they say. I should talk to uh, somebody who lifts weights sometimes, possibly. Broaden my horizons a little bit. Anywho, uh, these companies who produce uh, these supplements will often put stuff in them. Um, that shouldn't be in there. It's not listed on the ingredients. It's not listed on the packaging. And um, their product sells better because it's more effective. The problem is these fighters go into, you know, their GNC or whatever, 
buy some supplements, think it's fine, use it, and then they end up testing positive for this stuff. Now, do we know for sure that's what's happened in all these cases? No. Is it possible these guys were, I say should say guys and gals, were taking this stuff, Osterine, knowingly, and then found uh, some supplements that had trace amounts of Osterine in it and weaseled their way out of it? Yeah, that's a possibility. We don't know. Are all these fighters who are getting caught for tainted supplements really clean? Or are they just finding a way around the system? You know, get a shorter suspension, get out of it. I'm sure there's some people with tainted supplements, but I'm also sure there's some people cheating and trying to beat the system. Which is which, we don't know. Um, essentially, these four fighters all get a six-month suspension. Um <laughs> Which is also weird because Tom Waller got two years. Uh, Filthy Tom, I mean, it was probably, whatever, two, three years ago now, is suspended from the UFC by USADA for two years for Osterine. He didn't know how it got into his system. He claimed he didn't know how it got into his system. And I've said this before on other podcasts. Um, USADA and UFC are still trying to figure this out. I I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, But it's like, it's just so inconsistent still. Like, they need some consistency. Um, So fighters and fans know what's going on. Um, John Jones' case was... Not a good look for USADA. Um, And now this. It's like, okay, maybe it was an honest mistake. Maybe there should be some latitude on suspensions and whatnot. But how do you give one guy two years and these four fighters six months for the same, essentially the same drug in the system, same amount? Um, It's because Lawler couldn't find the supplement, maybe. Um and these four fighters could. We don't really have those details. Um, I mean, that's my only guess. But, uh, yeah, Osterine. Apparently, it's in a lot of uh, supplements out there. Allegedly, I should say. Another drug test uh, failure was Walt Harris, a UFC heavyweight. He got a four-month USADA suspension, which is one of the shorter ones I've ever seen, maybe the shortest. Um, on Monday, USADA announced that Harris has accepted a four-month suspension for a positive drug test tied to his recent fight against Andre Arlovsky at UFC 232. This is identical to the four-month suspension given to Harris by the California State Athletic Commission. Um, the suspensions are retroactive to December 29th. Harris's in-competition test came in positive for LGD-4033, an anabolic agent that is prohibited year-round under the UFC anti-doping policy. After the announcement, the results um, of his split decision went over. Arlovsky was overturned to a no contest. Um, 
because essentially he had this drug in his system at the time of the fight. So um, you can't win a fight while you're jacked up on PEDs. Uh, Harris cooperated by providing the agency with information about a dietary supplement product he was using before and at the time of the relevant sample collection. No prohibited substance, including the one in question, were listed on the label, but further analysis of both the open and independently sourced unopened containers of the product found that LGD4033 was present. Thus, the product was considered to be contaminated under the UFC anti-doping policy. Proof of contamination can result in reduced sanction. So basically the same story. And this guy got a supplement at a store, walked in, tried it, felt like it gave him good results or whatever, and then it turns out it's full of steroids. Moral of the story... Get USADA to sign off on your supplements. Find USADA recommended supplements. Don't just buy some random crap at the store and eat it. That's it. It's pretty simple. Don't do that unless you want to get suspended for four, six months, two years. Nobody knows. Nobody knows how long you'll be suspended. Depends on uh, if you can find the right supplement to send to USADA. It's crazy. Uh, speaking of crazy, uh, Borchina Paulo Costa um, is having issues with drug tests as well. The UFC middleweight contender was recently fined by the New York State Athletic Commission for an undisclosed violation which Costa has said was triggered by his use of a stomach medication before a 2017 fight. So Paulo Costa is claiming he failed a PED test, essentially because of Pepto-Bismol. He had diarrhea or something. So he took some, maybe, uh, what's the anti-diarrhea med? Imodium AD. He took some Imodium AD, and that triggered a failure. Apparently, according to him, uh, he claims he's never taken steroids. Although if you look at his body and again, I'm no bodybuilding expert or steroid user. Um, but he looks unusually jacked, even for an MMA fighter. Like he's ripped. Um, and, like, if you had to expect certain guys of using PEDs, he's one of those that'd be at the top of the list. It's like, just look at this dude. Like, he looks like no other fighter. Anyway, um, in an interview with the UFC Unfiltered podcast, UFC Vice President of Health and Performance Jeff Nowitzki confirmed that USADA um, is also looking into Costa's status. Novitsky was asked by show host Jim Norton, Matt, Sarah, why Costa was unable to fight Yoel Romero this month. Um, about that was initially targeted for UFC Fort Lauderdale. Novitsky said, I don't have any comment on that. My understanding is that New York has issued him a fine or sanction that USADA is still evaluating this. It's not until cases are adjudicated and resolved that we comment on them. So I'm not going to comment on that one right now. USADA has also not commented on the situation and won't do so until the completion of the investigation. 
Costa's team declined a request for comment from MMA fighting on Tuesday. It remains unclear what exactly Costa is being investigated for. The New York State Athletic Commission hit Costa with a fine of $9,333.33 earlier this month, though he has not fought in New York since a November 2017 win over Johnny Hendricks. Um, he has not been suspended, and New York State Athletic Commission would not comment on what exactly the violation was. Lee Park, the New York State Department of State spokesperson, told MMA Fighting at the time that evidence received and reviewed by the commission conclusively showed that Mr. Costa failed to comply with commission rules and policies regarding the use and disclosure of non-performance-enhancing substances while licensed. So it sounds like he was taking something, didn't list it, um, and got popped for it. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. And the fact that USAD is still looking into it like a year and a half later is bizarre. Um, it's like you either failed a test or you didn't. Um, and then, okay, what's your excuse for failing it? All right. Let's figure out a time of a suspension or punishment or whatever. It shouldn't take 18 months to do that. But to me, it sounds like Costa did something and he's fighting it behind the scenes uh, and claiming it was stomach medication in the meantime. My tummy hurts. I don't think upset stomach medication would uh, cause you to fail a USADA test. Uh, in better news, I think, I mean, it remains to be seen if this is really good news or not, but the restraining order case against Tony Ferguson has come to an end. The wife of the UFC star Christina Ferguson filed a request for a temporary restraining order against Ferguson for her and their two-year-old son on March 13th in Orange County, California, citing threatening and violent behavior. A hearing in the case was scheduled for April 5th, but that did not happen per Christina Ferguson's counsel's request. And the temporary restraining order has expired per court documents obtained by MMA Fighting. There are no matters pending in this case, Christina Ferguson's attorney wrote in an email. No reason was given, and Heath did not respond to further inquiries. Um, that's Christina's lawyer. Um, so apparently Ferguson is, is Tony, I should say. Tony Ferguson's doing better. Um, the wife let the restraining order lapse basically um and, and you never know why <laughs> um is she scared tony will do something anyway i i, I is tony doing better you, you hope that's the case um but some of that stuff like he kidnapped the kid it, it was dark stuff um i i don't know if that was ever verified but that was the wife's claim uh, Tony was never arrested nor charged with a crime and Christina Ferguson did not file for divorce. Um, Christina wrote that she had requested a temporary restraining order after Tony Ferguson allegedly took their son from her parents' home and did not let her see the child for six days. 
The request also came after several calls made by the Santa Ana police to the Ferguson home in the preceding 14 months. Um, in the restraining order request, for Christina was asking for full custody of their son. Uh, in recent days, Tony has posted multiple photos of him with his son on Instagram. He wrote last month on social media that the UFC and his management team were helping me to find the help we need. Um, so hopefully he's doing better. Um, you know, maybe he was on some meds. Maybe he's talking to a psychiatrist, psychologist, that sort of thing. And, um, things are getting back to normal for him and you, you hope that's the case. Um, and there's something not more, you know, devious going on behind the scenes here. So, um, good news on the surface. I, I hope it's true. Um, I hope he's doing well and I hope his, um, you know, wife and son are safe and sound. Um, this story caught my eye. I mean, it, it's not a big news story at all, but the headline just made me laugh. Maybe out loud. Did I laugh out loud? I might have chuckled. Um, Ray Borg vows to leave MMA if he misses weight again. I've never heard that as a reason to retire from MMA. I'm too fat. What the hell? Borg's missed weight a couple times, mind you. He fought at flyweight. But this is also a guy who was like a number one contender at flyweight. Like, good fighter. Very good fighter. Um, he also was out for a while. If you remember, he was in the, the bus when Conor McGregor threw that dolly. He got glass in his eye and was uh, pulled from that card. Um, he's got a son who's um, been really sick, and they've been doing fundraisers for the kid. Um he most recently moved up in weight to bantamweight at 135 and missed weighing in by a pound. He claims he's changing his diet and his lifestyle, and um, he's training differently now. Um, so he will never miss weight again. But it's like, that's totally in your control. You know what you got to weigh in at. Um, like I could see, oh, I'm going to retire if I ever get knocked out again. That can cause some lasting damage. Or the next fight I lose, I'm done. I'm going to retire. I, 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 My heart's not in this anymore. But it's like retiring because you can't control what you eat and how much you weigh. That is the worst excuse ever. You might just want to retire. Like if you think you can't exercise enough and eat the right amount to make weight to do your job, like what's your passion or whatever, like... A lot of people would love to be in the UFC and dream to get there. Um, they're not considering giving up their careers because they can't make weight. It was literally the worst excuse. We're, I shouldn't say excuse. You can retire and quit anytime you want. But to base your retirement on making weight was just baffling. This weekend, we uh, have Bellator back. This is Bellator 220, McDonald versus Fitch. <sighs> this show is strictly on zone. It's going down in San Jose, California at the SAP Center on Saturday night. Um, McDonald and Fitch is um, interesting because it is part of the Bellator 
welterweight Grand Prix. And it's for the Bellator welterweight championship. So it's a little confusing. Roy McDonald is the Bellator welterweight champion. He's coming off a loss against Gegard Mousasi, uh, where he got his ass handed to him at 185. He moved up in weight, got wrecked. So now he's back down to welterweight, and he's in this tournament, but he's the champion already. It's not like the tournament is to see who's going to get the next title shot. They just put McDonald in the tournament as well. So he's fighting John Fitch, who's 41. Um, and actually is coming off a couple wins, but Fitch is uh, long in the tooth, to say the least. He's 31-7, and 1-1 one one overall. Um, he has won five in a row, mind you. Um, Yushin Okami, Yoa Zeferino, Jake Shields, Brian Foster, Paul Daly. So, you know, for the most part, older guys or guys who, you know, lack some of his wrestling skill. I, I, I don't like Fitch's chances in this one unless McDonald's totally shot coming off that um, loss to Musasi. Roy McDonald's only 29 years old still. He debuted in the UFC in 2010. January of 2010, he debuted in the UFC. Jesus. And he's only 29, so he must have been like 1920 when he debuted in the UFC. Um, he's been in wars, though, too. You know, that Robbie Lawler fight where his nose was just destroyed. Um and he said a lot of five-rounders, too. He went five rounds with Stephen Thompson, uh, five rounds with Douglas Lima. Um, you know, he's 20 and 5. He's only 29, but he's an old 29. Um, I, I would still give him the edge against against Fitch. Um, I think McDonald's just a younger, faster um, dude. I don't think Fitch's wrestling is going to... Uh, be real effective against McDonald here. So uh, my official pick in the main event of Bellator 220 is Rory McDonald by decision. Uh, in the co-main event, we've got a women's flyweight championship fight. Alima Lay McFarlane is defending against Veda Ortega. Um, we've also got Benson Henderson versus Adam Piccolotti, Phil Davis versus Liam McGeary, and Gaston Bolanos versus Nathan Stolen. Again, this show is strictly on zone. It's not on Paramount. Um, man, I, I don't know how many people are going to see this show. I'm not. I mean, I'll find highlights online or something, but I don't subscribe to DAZN. Um I don't know many people that do. Even if you do, do you know this card's even happening? I mean, I, I'm kind of curious to see McDonald versus Fitch just because they're two, you know, guys who've been around forever at welterweight, top guys. Um, but, geez, I, I can't imagine um, that there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this show. But um, Bellator's getting paid to do it. So that's what it's all about. 
There's also a UFC show on Saturday night. This is from Sunrise, Florida at the BB&T Center on Saturday, April 27th. This is a UFC on ESPN Plus show. This is their eighth show on ESPN Plus. In the main event, we've got Ronaldo Jacare Sosa versus Jack Hermanson. Um, I think Hermanson's... I forget what happened here. I think this is supposed to be Costa and Romero. Then Costa got pulled, so it was going to be Romero versus Jacare. Then Romero was pulled. So now we've got Hermanson. I think that's how it went. Don't quote me on that. Um... Maybe Costa was supposed to replace Romero. I don't know. Costa's got the diarrhea medicine, so he's out. And Romero, I think it's injured or hurt or something. Um, so now we've got Jack Hermanson, who um, is a good middleweight, uh, kind of unheralded. He is 30 years old, has a record of 19-4. and four. Um, he is coming off three straight wins in the UFC. Talis Leites, Gerald Marshart, and David Branch. The David Branch win is a good one. That was only a month ago, March 30th. Uh, he won with a guillotine. Um, David Branch is no joke. He's pretty good everywhere. So that, that was a big win for Hermanson. Um, he's been in the UFC longer than you would think now. He is... Six and two in the UFC overall. Kind of a, a sneaky guy who most fans won't know and wouldn't be real familiar with. He's from Sweden, nicknamed the Joker. Um, he's fighting Jacare, who is a big step up in competition. We'll see. We're gonna find out how good Jack Hermanson is. We might find out that Jacare's gotten old too. He's thirty nine now. Uh, much like myself. His birthday is December 7th, 1979. I am like 10 days older than Jacare. That is weird. It's weird how you consider your own age sometimes. I feel like Jacare is really old. Um, then I find out I'm 10 days older than him. And I'm like, yeah, Jacare is not that old, I guess. Uh, I'm picking Jacare. Old man Jacare to win, by the way. Uh, in the co-main event, we have everyone's favorite fighter and uh, domestic abuser, Greg Hardy, taking on Dmitry Smolyakov. If you don't know Greg Hardy, he's the former NFL lineman accused of domestic assault. Um, the reference I always use in one of the like court documents, it was claimed that he beat up his girlfriend and threw her on a pile of guns that were laying on a futon. Seems like a good dude. Um, somebody I would really promote heavily if I were the UFC. Like, Hardy lost his last fight in the UFC because he threw an illegal knee. Um, and now he's back in a co-main event here on ESPN against a guy no one's ever heard of in Dmitry Smolyakov, um, who went 0-2 in the UFC and is 9-2 overall. Um like, this is another one where they're trying to set up Greg Hardy with a win, but it takes a while to get good at MMA, especially when you've never done it. And there's a lot of aspects to it. People just watch it and think you can go in there and throw wild punches and win, and 
it's not always the case. You got to be able to, you know, strike, wrestle, no submissions. Um, like Greg Hardy was probably going to lose that first fight anyway. Then he threw an illegal knee and sealed the deal. But um, Hardy is now 30, so I think he probably got into MMA when he was like 27, 28. Um, you're starting from the ground up against guys who started wrestling when they were five, six years old. Um, and I mean, if you're struggling against Alan Crowder, I don't know. I mean, here's the thing with Hardy. He hits hard. <laughs> hard hitting Greg Hardy. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be pushing him this hard. Have him fight on the prelims. If you have to have him fight anywhere. But putting him in the co-main event is so... I want to say it's egregious. But it's it's a little much. And it feels it like reeks of desperation to me. That they're trying to get people to watch ESPN+. Plus and it's just like... I don't know. It gives you a, a icky feeling. Because... Maybe the guy's cleaned up and he's a better person and he's changed. Like, I get that. But have him pay his dues a little bit. I mean, part of the reason he's well-known, it's not just because he was a good NFL player. It's because he beat the shit out of a woman. Like, that's why he's famous. Why are you promoting a guy whose fame came from multiple felonies? And assaulting a woman at the top of your shows. It's just like. If you don't want him to go to another company. And you're afraid he'll become a star somewhere else. Keep him under contract. But put him further down the card. And don't push him as hard as you are. I'd be more okay with that. Um, We've also got Cowboy Alex Oliveira versus Mike Perry. Uh, Perry's been on social media a lot, uh, with the wife there. Uh, she's most well known for screaming from the corner, break his fucking leg. Um, that's her coaching advice. Um, big fight for Perry. I mean, he's, he's got some star potential cause he's just such a weird personality. Um, but he's, you know, one in three in his last four. He's coming off a loss to Cerrone. Um, no, he needs a win here, and Cowboy Oliver is pretty good. Um, he doesn't get much, um, press, but he's a pretty good fighter, man. He's 19 and 6. Um, he's also coming off a loss, that one to Gunnar Nelson. So, um, Perry needs a win here. Uh, Glover Teixeira versus Ion Kutalaba, light heavyweight. Glover's still. Um, trudging along here. John Lineker versus Corey Sandhagen. That's a fun fight at Bantamweight. Lineker hits really, really hard. He's a scary little dude. Uh, and Sandhagen's 10-1. and 3-0 um, in the UFC. Um, a real good, um, well-rounded fighter who, who a lot of people don't know yet. But um, he's got some, some potential for sure. And this will kind of tell us how good he really is because Lineker doesn't usually lose to, you know, mid-level guys. you got to be pretty elite to get past John Lineker. Um, the opener on the main card is Roosevelt Roberts versus Thomas Gifford. 
on the prelims. The prelims are weird here. So the main card is on ESPN Plus. You got to have the app for that. But the prelim card is on ESPN, and the early prelim card is on ESPN Two. Um, so the prelims on ESPN. We've got Ben Saunders versus Takashi Sato, Andrei Olovsky versus Augusto Sakai, Carlos Sparza versus Verna Jandaroba and uh, Gilbert Burns versus Mike Davis. Then the early prelims are on ESPN2, where we've got um, actually some names a little bit. Jim Miller versus Jason Gonzalez, Angela Hill versus Jody Escabel, and Court McGee versus Diego Lima. Um, so a better card than the Russia show, I guess. Um, I always like to watch Jacare fight. He hits hard, and obviously his ground game is unbelievable. I also like when he makes the the crocodile alligator hand gesture as he gets into the cage. That's always fun. Mike Perry's a weirdo. Greg Hardy will probably do something stupid. So this will be a a, a a fun card on ESPN+. Plus. Lineker versus Sandhagen's a good fight. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm moderately interested in this show. Um, Greg Hardy's a jerk. Uh, in unrelated MMA news, the, the weird story that, that caught my eye this week, I always like to share one with you when there's time left. How much? Oh, I hadn't even looked at the clock once during the show and I, I try to keep it like under an hour. Some shows are shorter. Like when I'm in Disney world on a, on a bench with golf carts driving by, but usually I shoot for like an hour. And, like, this is perfect. I, I hadn't even looked at the clock, and we're running right on schedule. I uh, am impressed with myself. Headline reads, this is from AP Oddities, one of my uh, favorite news sites. Uh, Man sleeping in dumpster ends up in trash truck. This is in McKee's Rock, Pennsylvania. Authorities say a man sleeping in a dumpster was tossed into the back of a garbage truck as the trash was being emptied, causing him to lose his prosthetic leg. WPXI-TV reports the incident occurred around 2 a.m. Thursday in McKee's Rocks. The truck driver heard the man yelling and called 911. Officials say that while he was in the back of the truck, the man realized his prosthetic lower leg was missing. He searched for it about for it about 30 minutes before police ordered him to stop. Okay. People like to complain about their lives. You know, oh, I don't make enough money. Or, um, you know, I, I wish I had a better car or a bigger house. Well, whatever. Um, I wish I could afford this new out, outfit. Whatever it might be. Whatever your, your gripes are, this dude is sleeping in a dumpster. That's where he sleeps at night. Not the best accommodations. Like, you think your crappy comfort inn you gotta stay at when you go on vacation is for losers. Like, when you go to Disney, you wanna stay at, you know, the, the Swan Hotel. Not, you know, the budget hotel at Disney. You losers have it pretty good. This guy sleeps in a dumpster with one leg. Somewhere along the lines, this homeless man sleeping in a dumpster lost his leg. 
I don't know, in war, surgery, diabetes, what caused his leg to be missing? Maybe he was born without a leg. No one knows. That's not in the story. But he's got a prosthetic, which he lost in the dumpster when the dumpster was lifted up and he was thrown into the garbage truck. Somehow his leg popped off and he looked for it in the garbage truck for half an hour. Could not find it. Police told him to get out. Get out of the garbage truck. You can't find your leg. <sighs> That's a rough life. That is not good. Like, if you're listening to this show, if you're one of the dozens of listeners of this program, I can guarantee your life is better off than this guy. Somebody's always got it worse for you than you. Um, furthermore, the man didn't appear to be injured in the accident, but was taken to a hospital to be evaluated. His name has not been released. Authorities said they will continue searching for his missing prosthetic. <sighs> also, can you imagine being the garbage man that night? It's 2 a.m. You're probably exhausted. You're probably unhappy because you're a garbage man. You dump the trash into it, and you hear screaming. You're like, what the hell? There's a dude sleeping in this dumpster, and he's got no leg. But at least you're not the guy in the dumpster with no leg. Like, you'd much rather be a garbage man with both your legs. Like, it's way better. Anyway, I, I guess the moral of the story is um, always look on the bright side, you know? That maybe if you're the man with with the missing prosthetic leg, um, you, you can say, well, at least I got one leg that works. I, I can get a wheelchair or crutches or something and, and get by. Um, there's always a silver lining. Um, the other moral of the story is don't sleep in a dumpster. Find something that won't be picked up and thrown into a garbage truck to sleep in. That's my other bit of advice this week. Uh, on that note, thank you for listening to the MMA MMA show. Uh, here, Matt's Middle-Aged Mixed Martial Arts Show. This was number 14. Uh, I appreciate you joining me. Uh, check out the Twitter, MMA, MMA Show 1, and the Instagram, MMA, MMA Show. And uh, we'll be back next week. Again, I appreciate the time. Thank you for listening, and uh, I'll be back. Bye-bye. <laughs>